And we'll open our Bibles, the book of Proverbs. And um, if you would, continue on in this thought about being a friend. Um, Boy, the Lord has been a good friend to me. They sang that song, It's Been Worth Every Mile. And um, I can say amen to that song. It's been worth every single uh, heartache and trouble. And the Christian life is not some uh, fairy tale story in a sense, you know, as some like to make it out to be. Uh, It's full of trials and temptations and thorns and suffering and um, uh, challenges and battles and warfares and uh, so many various things in the Christian life. And, um, <clears throat> but it's been worth every single tear, every trial, every heartache, it has been worth it serving God. I don't regret one moment of serving the Lord. And um, I've got a lot of regrets, but being uh, a servant of the Lord's not one of them. I've been a fairly sorry servant. But I'm glad I'm identified as John identified himself this morning. We talked about John. John identified himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved. And I think we can all identify with that. I'm one that he loved. God so loved the world, but he loved me. He gave himself for the world, but he gave himself for me. That's what Galatians 2.20, crucified with Christ. That's how I live. That's a personal verse. And so we'll continue this thought about this because that's part of being a good friend. So turn to Proverbs in the book, uh, let's see, Proverbs chapter 27. And um, we'll just catch you up here. We began looking at a friend ought to be pure. Um, To be a good friend, you need to keep yourself in a position uh, that you can be a good friend. So we need to be pure. We need to be prudent. We need to be principled, private, persistent. And then we kind of looked here at a friend being planted in chapter 18 of the book of Proverbs. Uh, a friend loveth at all times. And, he, and then we got to the end of that verse, he sticketh closer than a brother. And saw how Jesus is sticking close by our side. And so we should for one another. Amen. It's real easy to give up on people. That's the easy way out. It gets hard to love people. And guess what? It's hard to love you. Come on now, I'm not being serious. It's hard. Hey, listen, I know how difficult I am to love, but you're not so easy to love yourself, right? And so we got to stick close together and help each other uh, through this life, this low land of sorrow that we're in. And so we need to be planted, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We got to chapter 22 and seen that a friend should be peaceful. Um, he shouldn't be a, a violent uh, man. We looked at that in, in chapter 22. Chapter 27, sometimes a friend can be piercing. An open rebuke is better than a secret love. And we need to get that and drilled into our heads and remember to be a faithful friend to somebody is not always agreeing with them, right? It's agreeing with God and agreeing with God often against yourself, but maybe against friends too. There's friends that I love and I wish I could spend time with, but they made decisions in their life that they have gone contrary to the will of God and I cannot follow them down that road. Not because I'm better than them, but because my flesh is just as weak as theirs is. Right? And so sometimes an open rebuke is better uh, than a secret love. And so now we're in chapter number 27. Uh, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And we're looking at, that was in verses 5. Look in chapter 27, verse number 9. And we'll start in verse number 9. 
and try to get through this quickly. I got one point I really want to get to. So verse number nine, Proverbs chapter 27, uh, a friend should be passionate. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. I know you men are wearing perfume in here, are you? This is the day you don't ever know. I'm trying to lighten the load here a little bit before I cut your legs out. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. And so a friend ought to be passionate. Uh, when a, a friend that loves you is taking such interest in your life, and he gives you counsel. I mean, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever done this. I'm sure I have. Uh, but uh, I'm just, you know, whatever. You have a bad day or somebody maybe you're not really close to or something. And you give some advice, give some counsel. Like, look, just get right. You know, and you just kind of brush it off and you just kind of go on. This is talking about a man that's going to be your friend, a lady that's going to be your friend. If you want to be a good friend to others, they take such interest in your life that the counsel they give you is hearty counsel. They've thought it through. They've sat back and they've prayed about it and they've looked at it biblically. And you're facing some trial, some situation in your life. And they look at things in your life and they don't give you the things that may be best for them. They don't look at it with that kind of self-interest. They don't even necessarily look at it what's best for you necessarily. But they're looking at it biblically of how to best uh, help you with the situation that you face. They give you hearty counsel. You can, I've gotten counsel from people sometimes, Brother uh, Reed, and you can just tell they really don't care about it. Well, they've not thought nothing about it. They're just kind of telling you. But man, there's been friends in my life that I can tell three and four days go by. They have put thought into it. They have prayed about it. And they give you good, hearty counsel from their heart because they care about you, right? And so if we want to be a good friend to others, we need to, we need to try to take into consideration and, get, and give, uh, uh, give thought to, um, and there, I know this isn't biblical, uh, but it, there is some, some common sense into this. You don't know what a man's going through until you've walked in his shoes, it's easy to judge somebody, but you might do worse in the situation they're facing, right? And so, I mean, man, if you're a good friend to somebody, you're not just sitting back and some kind of, you know, uh, looking down on kind of judgment. You're, you're looking at it from their point of view. You're trying to consider all the things that they're facing, all the things they're taking in, all the things they have to consider and the decisions that they're making. And they give you hearty counsel because their heart is with you, right? They give you hearty counsel. That's sweet to a friend, even if it's not what I wanted to hear. I've gotten some counsel. I've told you about uh, several of them. Brother Blue gave me some counsel before, and I didn't like that. I don't know about you, but I don't like being rebuked. Now, I can handle it from a pulpit because I expect that from the Bible. God's not going to let me just live any way I want to. But when a friend looks at you in the face and tells you, and it's just you and him in the car, and he gives you and says, hey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. I don't like that. My flesh didn't like that. That is not what I wanted to hear. I wanted him just to go along with what I was going along with. But open rebuke's better than a secret love, right? And his heart was with me, and he was giving me hearty counsel. And whether I liked it or not, you know what I appreciate about a good friend that loves you? Whether they may be wrong, maybe, maybe you disagree with the counsel that they've given you. But if they thought it through, and it's coming from their heart, I can appreciate hearty counsel from a friend. Can't you? 
So, so a good friend ought to be passionate. He ought to be, have his heart fully engaged in you and your life. That's what's being a good friend uh, to others. And again, we're looking more at how we can be a good friend to others. How can we be a biblical friend like the Lord is to us? And so if we're going to do that, we're going to have to have our hearts engaged in the lives of other people, right? You can't be a good friend and not engage people. Say, so, well, I was raised that way, and I'm just proud. Well, get over how you was raised, because how you was raised is wrong. Right? Is that okay? Everybody okay? That's just wrong. You, can't, you cannot be. What if Jesus was just like, well, you know, I'm just not really comfortable around you. <laughs> so I'm just not going to talk to you today, Tyler. I'm, just, I'm, be, I'm better off by myself. I just don't like to do it. Jesus don't do us that way, does he? He gives you hearty counsel, does he not? He gives a preacher a message to preach to you. I mean, man, God takes interest in every aspect of your life. He is engaged, his heart is engaged in what's best for you, right? He's working all things together for your good. Most of us are working together and using things in other people's lives for our good. Right, if we're going to be a good friend, we're going to have to be passionate about this thing and we're going to have to be intent about it and we're going to have to engage others, actively engage them from the heart of what's best for them in their life. Right, because that's the way Jesus is to us. So we're obligated, a man that has friends. Is anybody in here saved and have Jesus as a friend? Has he, he walked through the valleys with you? Has he put up with your crying, complaining and your sin? Sure he does. And loves you right on through it. Man, you're obligated then. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So if God's doing that for you, then me and you are obligated to be that kind of friend to other people. People need you. Do you understand that? You may be the one person in the life of another Christian that they need in that moment. Don't, don't discredit yourself like you have nothing to offer God. You're needed in God's work. That's what I believe about this thing. Everybody, it's not just preachers, not just missionaries. I mean, how many of you can think right now of a good friend that's been there for you time and time again? Are you that kind? Could you be that for somebody else? Can somebody say that about you? Man, they've been there for me time and time again. Just faithful. And you know what? I've done very little for them, but you know what? Every time I go through something, there they are, just right in it. That's a good friend. We're going to be passionate. Let's move on. Verse number, uh, read verse number 10. So, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. So, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house. That's, that's not saying, uh, um, you know, don't go in and help your brother when he's in trouble. That's saying taking your calamity, right? In the day of thy calamity. Don't go to your brother's house. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. Man, in, you, you know, I, I think, especially in the South, blood's thicker than anything. But that's not in the Bible. That's just culture, right? Biblically speaking, we're all closer than my relatives are here. My daddy's here. But I, uh, biblically speaking, I'm just as close to a lot of you as I am to my own daddy. Why? Because we're born of heaven. Right? 
And so we, we can be that kind of friend. I, don't, I shouldn't have to travel uh, an hour and a half to get to daddy's house. I ought to have friends right around me that I can lean on. That's what the Bible's talking about there. And I want to be that kind of friend for others. I don't want them to have to go uh, travel a long way to get the help they need. I'm right here close by. I love you. I'll help you. Right? That's the kind of friend we need to be. And so we ought to be passionate. Look at chapter 27, verse number 17. Friend ought to be, good friend ought to be passionate. In verse number 17, this is a fairly uh, common verse here, um, but a, and I'm not going to, I went into a lot of this and I, I just don't feel like the Lord wants me to. So we're going to move kind of quickly. It's self, pretty self-explanatory. Verse 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a, man's, uh, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I went in and looked at a, a lot of this and how iron is done and, and, and all these different things. But um, uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, the Bible talks about, um, well, let me just say this. A lot of times we look for friends uh, based on similarities, do we not? But really it's our differences that sharpen each other. Right? Say, so, well, I don't like how they operate. I don't how like they do that. That might be the very thing you need that might make you better make up an area of weakness in your life. Right? They may be strong in one area and you're weak in another. Now, this is talking about sharpening the countenance of a friend. And so what, what, what we're really boiling down to here is when I walked out to, uh, and I saw my friend. Well, he's identified, so I'll call his name Richard. And I saw him and I haven't seen him in years. But when I, I walked out, he put a smile on my face because I know he's my friend. I haven't talked to him in many years, but I know he's my friend. That's sharpening the countenance of a friend. So how are you going to do that if you're not present in somebody's life? You, you can't sharpen my countenance. You can't help me as a Christian if you're missing an action from my life, right? And nor, I, nor, nor can I you. So if you're going to be a good friend, you're going to be passionate and engaged from your heart and the lives of other people. But you're going to have to be present. I say, well, that's pretty basic, Brother Clint. Well, it's a, it's a lot harder lived. You go into life, you start getting a job, and life starts changing, you're raising kids, all the things you go to. Life is busy for all of us. But if we're too busy to be a good friend to others, we're too busy. Too busy. Because a friend, when he comes in and he enters that room and you know it's a friend, I don't know about you, one of the first things I do is my countenance lights up. I smile. I especially I was preaching in a place. Well, I, okay, I was preaching in a place one time, and uh, I was very nervous. And there was a certain preacher that walked in the back right before I started preaching, and my countenance just—it did something because I knew I had a friend in there. It did something for me. But iron sharpeneth iron, and I wanted to go into that. It's the dissimilarities. You have to have one harder than the other to sharpen the other. It's the dissimilarities. Even if you're, even if you're both identical in composition, one being heated up, uh, being hotter than the other, that's how you get the sharpening effect. I don't want to go into the carbon details of, of recarbonizing because I looked at all that. It'd just be boring to you really anyway. Uh, but my, my point is this. It's, it's, those, it, it's even in times when we're of identical composition, you may be going through the fire and the trials of your life and how, that you're, how they reforge those tools is after they heat them up, then they do what? They stick them in water and cool the surface off, hardening the steel. And God does you the same way. He puts you through the fires and the trials of life and then he washes you by the washing of water by the word of God. 
right? It's easy just to criticize a friend and stop talking to them and just forsake them and leave them alone. But a good, faithful friend is wanting to sharpen you, is wanting you to be your best, and is going to be active and present and engaged in your life. And you say, well, I don't know why I'm suffering these trials and these temptations and I'm going through the fire. You may be going through the fire so God can sharpen somebody else. Are you willing to do that? Brother Richard, I don't like suffering. I don't like it at all. And uh, I don't do very well with it. And, um, but here's one thing I always try to keep in mind, though I don't understand what God's doing in my life. God may not be chastening you. God may not, God's never out to try to hurt you. But what, what if he's put you down? What if he put you in that hospital because there's somebody there needs to hear about Jesus? What if there's just a Christian there that you could offer some encouragement to? Would you be willing to be offered on the sacrifice and service of somebody else's faith? Paul was, right? So, so uh, not only is a friend passionate, according to verse number 17, but a friend will be polishing. Now, that's really not fitting, but it fits my alliteration, okay? It's not really polishing, but it's sharpening, right? Iron sharpeneth iron. And so, uh, you've got to be willing to go through the fires and the trials of life, and then you have to learn how to suffer need. See, we're so proud, I don't like nobody helping me. Because I don't want to feel like I owe anybody anything. Do you? I remember when you bought us when we first got married and bought us a gallon of milk and you got it brought back down to your house, didn't you? That's how proud I was. Just full of pride. You got to learn how to let people help you. God will put you through the trials and the fire to destroy some of that pride in your life and allow one of your friends to help you. That's not easy to do. Now, some people are masters at taking help. I don't know. They know how to work the government. They won't work. I figure that'd get a rise out of somebody. If preaching won't, politics usually does. All right, let's move on quickly. All right, so, so a friend, and let's not get bogged down in that. And so turn, keep going. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter number four. So a good friend ought to be passionate and he's going to be polishing. He's just sharpening you in your life. He's going through the trial and he's there. He's there to help you when you're going through the trials and you're going through the fires and iron sharpening iron. Now look at this verse, Ecclesiastes, and a friend ought to be promoting. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, verse number nine. Two are better than one. Not in some people's lives. They're better off alone. So they think. I don't need nobody. God will let you try to live that out. Good luck. I don't need nobody. I'm fine. Well, uh, we'll see. That's not how God's made you. Remember when he made a man, he said it's not good that he's alone. God said that. So I'm fine alone. Well, you can argue with God all you want to. God said it was not good for you to be alone. You want to know when your friend's in deep trouble? I'll, get, I'll tell you this. And, and, I mean, I don't know that everybody's always, I'm not saying everybody's the same way, but I, I, I'm thinking of one man right now, Brother Jones, and I talk, I talk to his dearest and most closest friends, uh, I, I mean, even family even. And, and when, when you see a friend that's normally engaged in your life and you're active in their life and you're talking and they're talking, and when they withdraw themselves and they get alone and they don't engage you anymore and you can't get a hold of them and they go to withdraw themselves, that is the more and more time that you ought to be active in their life. I drive to their house before I just let it go. 
because there's certain people, and you think, oh, this would never happen to me. I know preachers much better than I'll ever be and much better Christians than any of us ever be that ended their own lives because of their personality and their problems. And what happens is they started isolating themselves away from the pack and they got alone and the devil got in their mind and things went south. So I would never do that. I'd be careful about saying that. And so, you, you, you know, it's, go, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take labor. And the Bible teaches us it's not good that we be alone. So we got to come together. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. As a matter of some is. You've got to assemble together in the fellowship of believers. You've got to do that. And so uh, two are better than one. Go on and read it. And we're going to get to the main point and we're going to quit. Uh, they're, they're promoting. Look at verse number uh, nine. Uh, two are better than one because they have good reward of their labor. Verse number 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls. Man, I'm telling you, I... I'm still thinking of a time right now where shortly after I got saved, boy, I was a mess. And I'll never forget, I know I've told it, but Brother Jones, I'll never forget God sending His church. Those men from the church come driving up my driveway to help me and sit with me all day. Them men sit with me. Am I telling the truth? Three men from the church just sat with me all day. I don't know know what would have happened. They just sat with me. God's given me some good friends. I want to be a faithful friend to others. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care what you think about yourself, you are not made by God to be okay alone. That's what your Bible said. Now, there's grace for, we've got missionaries that go in alone and do things. I'm not, I'm not talking about the exception to the rule, I'm talking about the rule. And the rule is, it's not good for men to be alone. You know, we've talked about it many times, Cyrus. That's not good. When you, I'm going to tell you something. When you start feeling depressed and you start feeling down, you watch some of your friends, what they'll do. When they start getting down, they'll get alone. That's dangerous. People are killing themselves in this hour left and right. And I, I've always thought about, I, I don't know how many friends I've had. I'm thinking right now, one man, uh, well, I don't want to say his name, but uh, I'm thinking of one right now. I know for a fact he killed himself. I know he did it on purpose. It was a drug overdose, but his mom told us he killed himself on purpose. I often thought about, and I was saved, and I, I wasn't around him anymore, but I, 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 didn't, I lost contact with him, and he just got, but I often wondered what would have happened if I'd have been present in his life, if I hadn't let my life get in the direction that it went, that I could have been there for him to be a good friend. Don't let your friends get alone and get in a place where they're depressed and they're down. I don't care if they've made you mad. I don't care what they've done. I'm going to tell you something. We have got to be present and active in the lives of others. We've got to be. And so a good friend, a good friend now, a good Bible friend, look at verse number 11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. How can one... Uh, be warm alone. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so I titled this, it doesn't fit all the way together, but you, uh, a good friend is promoting. A good friend is beneficial to your life. When you're there and you're in a place where you fall, it's good to have a friend there to help you. 
Right? Two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now let's go on, let's go on quickly, and we'll just take a couple of minutes on this one. Look at, um, turn with me. I'm going to go now to the New Testament. So turn with me here to John, <coughs> John chapter. I can't get all of these in. I wish we could stay and look at some of these. We may come back. Turn to John 15, one of the uh, greatest uh, verses here that we've looked at so far. Uh, uh, John chapter number 15. And let's look at our Lord again. John chapter number 15, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Does that, does that thrill your heart like it does me? I'm a disciple that Jesus loved. Now, we could read this whole chapter. I'm not going to. I want to say this. A good friend is personal. A good friend is personal. John chapter number 15. Now, I'm going to need to, okay, uh, we really need to read most of this. Let's start in um, uh, verse number 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So right there puts away the idea that anybody can be alone. You need Jesus. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and withered. Men gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. <laughs> Boy, that's a, that's a mouthful, isn't it? You think the Father loved the Son? Wonder with how much love that the, maybe it's like that songwriter said, the scrolls could not contain. With that same love, Jesus loves you. The same love that his Father loved him. Boy, that's a lot, isn't it? Thank the Lord. So if I loved you, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. See, at the great cost it's going to be to be a friend. A man that'll lay down his life for his friends. You know what's being said there. He's physically talking about, uh, talking about his body and the death that he should die. Uh, but you and I, we ought to be sacrificially in our, uh, sacrificial in our friendship. We ought to be at any cost to us to be a good friend to each other. Laying down our lives to be beneficial to one another. That's what Jesus did. And so uh, keep reading with me now. Uh, uh, look at verse number 14, John 15. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. A good friend, if you want to be a good friend, a good friend is personal. Jesus is personal with you, isn't he? Jesus communicates with you. Right? Jesus talks with you. He checks on you. Right? Consistently every day, Jesus is personal. He's, 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 not, he's not withholding information from you. He's not, he's not avoiding you. Right? I know Christians that go to church together for years and still purposefully, they're so childish, they still avoid each other in church. Grown adults. Boy, that's pitiful, isn't it? That's not being a good friend, is it? Well, Brother Clint, they hurt my feelings. Why, why, why? Is that okay? Y'all okay to do that? Everybody's so soft anymore, you can't even hardly preach. Everybody crying about everything. 
Good night. They hurt my feelings. Well, just toughen up a little bit. People are going to hurt you. They're people. <laughs> and man, it's, it hurts. I'm not making light of it. I, I'm telling you, I let people hurt me a lot more than I should. A, a lot of it is not, uh, it's not very biblical to let people affect you the way that they do. So I understand that. But that's no reason to quit. See, charity never faileth. There's never a time when it's okay for you to quit a Christian brother. It's never okay. Amen. A good friend's personal. A good friend communicates with you. A servant just does what he's told. That's the contrast here. He's saying, look, if you were just, if you were just my little Calvinistic robots, <laughs> you'd just be doing whatever programmed you to do. That's just contrary. That's not a good friend. I just wind you up in the back and you just go the way I made you to go before the foundation of the world. You're going to go that way anyway. That's not a friend. That's a, that's a robot, right? A servant. A servant, and here's the difference here. The servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends because I have, I have displayed to you everything that the Father has given me, I've given you. The knowledge of God, he has given, he has communicated to us biblical things. A good friend will communicate and he'll communicate properly in your life. Biblically. Good friend is personal. Now look at, flip, just flip over if you need to, chapter 16. Boy, there's several of these and we'll end on this one. This one really... If we'll really let it sink in, I would, I would guess I would say this is probably should be number one, Brother Jones. I would suppose if I had to say about a good friend, John chapter number 16, look at verse number 20. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves that I said a little while and you shall not see me? And again, he had a little while, and you shall see me. Look at verse 20. Very, very, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she's delivered to the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is brought into the world. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, and your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto, uh, spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And at that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not, and, and I say not unto you that I will pray uh, the Father for you, for the Father Himself loveth you. We're gonna let's get these verses quicker. Um, boy, we could. I wanted to go to Job. Um, look at Luke chapter number twenty-two. Um, well, let's let's not turn there because I, we, we've got the baptism tonight. Uh, let me just give you these. I'll just I'll, I'll just give them to you. All right. Think about Job. What what happened? What, what happened uh, right before uh, God turned Job around? When he did what? When he prayed for his friends. 
That's in Job's, uh, and Job wished for that. I'm, I'm thinking of the verse uh, that a man would plead with God for him, like as a man pleaded with his friend. And so a good friend prays. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but what? I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And so Christ, uh, who's the image of God and, and our dearest friend that we ever had, he is ever living to what? Make intercessions for you. Guess what Jesus is still doing? He's still praying for you. What did he do when he was on the earth? He took Peter, James, and John over the mountain to pray. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane doing what? Praying. John 17, he's praying that they may be one as I and my Father are one. Jesus prayed. Jesus is a good friend because Jesus loves you so much. He went to the source of all sources for every one of your problems. And a good friend that loves you will pray for you. You'll be a lot less critical of people you're praying for, right? Can I read you this quote? And I want to... I want to move on from this, but that was Job 16. Uh, but, um, boy, I wish we could have had time to read John, John 17. Uh, here's what Robert Murray McShane said. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. <laughs> Hallelujah, Brother Job. <laughs> you hear that? He said... He said, if I could hear Christ praying, could you imagine being alive and hear God himself manifested in the flesh praying for you? Father, I have given them. And, and I mean, could you imagine hearing Jesus say your name in prayer? Why, man, I wouldn't, I'd be just like, I wouldn't be afraid of nothing. Hey, Jesus has prayed for me. Yet the distance is no difference. That's going to start hurting tomorrow, probably, Richard. Richard stayed in shape. I, just, I, I didn't. But uh, anyhow, <laughs> Lord help us. He said, if I could hear Jesus praying in the next room, I wouldn't fear a million enemies. Can I say something? Just like Spurgeon said, no man could do a greater kindness to me than to pray for me. Are you praying for your friends? You want to be a good friend? Listen, I need you. Now, Brother Reed, unfortunately... He don't get to just pray for me. He has to do a lot of other things for me. But uh, so I don't want you to stop and say, well, I'm praying for you, Brother Clamp. Don't you do that to me. Many of you. Boy, just, but uh, that's no cop out. Well, I need somebody to come over and help me with it. Well, I'll pray for you. Don't you do that to me. <laughs> right? That's not what I'm saying. But man, a good friend, a real friend and be at home praying. Could you imagine somebody taking time away from their family to pray for you? It humbles me to think that somebody gets down on their knees by their bed and cries out to God on my behalf. That's a good friend. And if we're going to fail each other in an area, let it not be failing to pray for one another. And I promise you I'll fail you as a friend. I promise you that. Let's just go ahead and set the, let's set the bar low. And that way if I do better, I've exceeded expectations, Tammy. No, we're going to fail each other. But I do not want to sin against God and cease to pray for you. You young people, you love each other. You need to be present in each other's life. Brother Richard was there for me. I don't know how many times. And I want you to be there for each other. But you better learn the language of the poor. 
the poor in spirit. You better learn how to talk to God on behalf of others and intercede in prayer. Boy, let's pray for each other in these days. These people going through things in here you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe the battles and the imaginations and the thoughts and the troubles and the hurts and the pains and all the things people are going through. And there's only one in heaven that's able to help. Let's be faithful to pray for each other. I'm done preaching. But I, I can't think of any greater mark of a true friend. And we've looked at a bunch, haven't we? And I've got more. A good friend will be pardoning. He'll be forgiving. He'll be propitiating. Uh, and for John 3, 16. I was going to look at Philemon. A good friend not only be peaceful, but he'll be a peacemaker. Right. Two friends that are at odds. He's not going to take sides one against the other. He's going to reconcile them. But I can't think, and I'm done preaching, I can't think of a greater mark of a true friend. Say, Brother Clint, I want to be a good friend to others like Christ is for me. You know what? The first step you ought to take, the first action you ought to take is get serious about your prayer life. And seriously labor in prayer for one another. That's what we need in this hour. We need the prayers of God's people one for another. Hey, it might be you next week that's on the verge of falling. It might be you that's cumbered about with so many cares and anxieties and worries and fretting. Don't you want somebody praying for you? I want your phone calls, but I'd much rather have your prayers. Now, don't use that to avoid calling me. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for what we're about to partake in here. These young people be getting baptized, Lord, following you in believers' baptism. And Lord, thank you for this little study we got to do on being a good friend, I failed miserably at being a good friend to others. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be a better friend, be a true friend, a good friend, a Bible friend, as good as Jesus has been a friend to me. I love you. Thank you on behalf of every person that's here. In Jesus' name, amen.